When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. It's time to pick up where we left off as I'm joined by the Hill Valley Save the Clock Tower Committee as we continue our discussion on the Back to the Future trilogy on this episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. We're back. We're back. From Back to the Future, part two. Ah! What do you mean we're in the future? October 21st, 2015. Marty, we're going to be able to see our wedding. Wow. Future. I got to check this out, Doc. Don't talk to anyone. Jump and fucking Where are we? Don't touch anything. I need to borrow your hoverboard. But when Marty heads back to his own time... The time continuum has been disrupted, creating an alternate 1985. Things have radically changed. Fifth? Hello? Hello, anybody home? Mom, that can't be you. You're so big. And that's not the only surprise. Mom, is that you? But all becomes clear. Great Scott. I know, this is heavy. In Back to the Future, Part 3. Marty and Doc Brown go all the way back to 1885 to complete their amazing story. Just try it, Tanner! Marty's got a job to do. And I'm bringing you home. But he's got one little problem. Biff Tannen's great-grandfather. Right now, jerk! Marty's out to make a name for himself. What's your name, dude? Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. Doc Brown finds true love. And Tannen meets his match. Where'd you learn to shoot like that? 7-Eleven. Steven Spielberg and Robert Zemeckis invite you aboard for the climax of the Back to the Future trilogy. Hello movie viewers and movie lovers, my name is Tim Williams and welcome to the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. Here we talk about all the great and sometimes not so great movies from the 1980s. From blockbusters to cult classics to lesser-known treasures we discovered on cable TV or the now-defunct video rental stores from our childhood. No matter which 80s flick we choose for each episode, we have a lot of fun sharing memories, discussing our favorite scenes, and even learning some behind-the-scenes stories about the cast and crew along the way. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and follow 80s Flick Flashback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And while you're there, leave us a stellar written review and a five-star rating. You can also support the show by following us on our social media pages. Just search for 80s Flick Flashback on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And go ahead and check out our website, 80sflickflashback.com, for more great 80s content. Now, let's jump right into this episode. Thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. 
Save the clock tower. Save the clock tower. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't a lot of stuff. Let so. me shove this can into your face, two people who are clearly about to kiss. <laughs> We didn't talk about that scene in the first, the first no, episode. No, so. because it's not a good scene. No. Like, why would she do that? No, but in, but in the, I don't know if you're going to keep all of this. Or I am, good. Can we talk about the random Charles Fleischer cameo in old makeup? Oh, He's yeah. the one. Yeah. Yes. I'm yeah. going to talk about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Should have put well, some then, money on the copies. Yeah. Although yeah. I will say, going back to, we should have talked about this in the other movie. I think it was clever to explain why he held on to that flyer. Yes. I was gonna say that. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. I, as we were, as we were, as we were talking about not talking about the scene, I was like, oh, that was another great use of good writing. Where, yeah, because even when I was watch, rewatching it yesterday, it's like he gets the he gets the paper. Why wouldn't he just throw that away? Right. Oh, because his girlfriend yeah. wrote, She's "I like, love oh, you." Here's by the my way, I'm gonna be at my grandma's. You don't have her number. Let me write it down for you. It's like that's great writing. It's like we mm-hmm. got to figure out a way to yeah. make this information go to this. Yeah. You know, so. Why would a 17 year old hold on to a flyer about right. a f- clock tower? Right. So, good deal. All right, so... Because it didn't have a cell phone in the 80s. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's why this movie could not be remade today. Most of those movies can't be remade I was about to say, let's go ahead and get into two when they're in 2015 and people still don't have cell phones. (laughs) (laughs) And use newspapers. Right, right. Good old USA Today. (laughs) Survived us all. Yeah. (laughs) All right, well, welcome back. Welcome back in, everybody, as we're continuing... Our discussion on Back to the Future uh, trilogy. So, hope you guys enjoyed part one. We're now diving into, I guess, part two and three in this part two of the episode. That's not confusing at all. But uh, I'm joined once again by my lovely, uh, dapper, and distinguished co hosts who are also part of the Save the Clock Tower committee. Uh, once again, we have Laramie and Bethany Wells. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do a duo. No, yeah. You didn't do it in unison. We didn't Sorry. Plan that. Yeah. Sorry. No, we did. It's just he's like one minute ahead due to time travel. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, she's clever. She's clever. Uh, and we got Mr. Chad Shepard is back with us. Hello. And of course, the silent but always paying attention, Mr. Charlie Cotter. I'm still here. Tim just keeps editing out what I say. <laughs> He's made some real insights. They're just a little problematic. You've got to stay on topic, yeah. Charlie. You've got to stay on topic. He joined family friendly right. show. Yeah. yeah, we can't have that kind of language on this podcast, Charlie. And then, and of course, we talk about the guy who owned the cafe. Yeah, he has yeah. treatment of Goldie. He, he joined in with, with Laramie's discussion about time travel, Sorry. and it 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 just it, it went off the rails. So we had we had to cut it out. We had to edit due to time. So. All right, so let's jump right in. Uh, I'll start with Charlie. When did you see Back to the Future parts two and three for the um, first time? We'll, we'll lump them together. Yeah, uh, very recently. Um, I actually... <laughs> yesterday. Well, yeah, yesterday. Um, what, what time is it? <laughs> um, no, actually, the first time I saw two, it was the first Back to the Future I, I had ever seen. Oh, you saw I remember oh, no. the very opening scene I saw was when they go to 2015, uh-huh. and I was just lost. What, <laughs> was like, what's happening? For good reason. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, I'd seen the first one first. I'm still lost. Yeah. Uh, Jaws 19, didn't know they had 19. Um, I think this was a Thanksgiving when we were with yeah. some extended family, so yeah. it was... it was So, I, two was actually the very first one I saw, so that would have been... When I was eleven or twelve, mm-hmm. um, and then three was about four or five years ago. Okay, not a big Western fan, so I I kind of pushed that one off to the side. Plus, it was the third one, so I was like, mm-hmm. it's probably not that good. 
Um, so I, I didn't watch it for a while. Okay. We'll get to your... <laughs> yeah. Did it, meet your ex- did it meet your expectations or not? We'll talk about what about you, Chad? I saw it in the theater mm-hmm. when it came out. Yeah. I was so excited. Mm-hmm. I'd seen, like I said before, I saw it with Star Trek Four, and I saw it with Soggy Bottoms <laughs> USA. Right. So I was ready. This was like when... Because... I think it was the VHS, you know, when it was released, it just said the end. Yeah, well, it didn't say were, anything. It was just, they just... Yeah, just wrote, you know, Yeah, just, they, didn't, they added then, the to be continued when it went right. to video. So right. I saw later the to be continued, so mm. I'm like, well, I've got to see this movie now. Right, right. So I saw in the theater when it came out. I was, I dragged my parents. They were like, <laughs> <laughs> did you see three in the theater, too? I did. Okay. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. So excited. Like, <laughs> the... the yeah, we'll, we'll get to it, but you know, there's a whole trailer at the yeah. end of oh, yeah, two, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that lets three, you know. and I was like, "Yes!" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you, Laramie? I don't know about two. Um, I've been racking my brain about whether I saw it in theaters. I remember when two came out because mm-hmm. I remember all the publicity for it. I remember, and I could be wrong. Pizza Hut, yes, um, had the. Uh, I had got a pair of sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Same. Um, Find those on eBay. Yeah. I love the 80s. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so cross. I remember that, but whether I saw it in theaters or not, I, I don't know. Mm. I do know, though, I saw the third one in theaters. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because I will remember this to this day. It pops up even when I rewatched it. That the moment that um, Doc is working with his machine that ends up being an ice maker, Yeah. the, um, the film actually messed up. <laughs> oh wow! And they had to completely stop the film, mm-hmm. and and then you know they eventually got it going. But because of that, I will always remember. I saw that movie in theaters. <laughs> so yeah, I did see the third one in theaters. But second one, I'm I'm not sure. I do remember it coming out. I remember all the publicity for it, but I don't remember if I saw it in theaters or not. Okay, Bethany. So I probably saw the second one for the first time in my 20s, but I don't think I ever like sat down and watched it from beginning to end until this week. Okay. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure I had seen all of it, just not in one viewing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I saw the third one. When did I text you guys? Thursday? Yeah. 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 (laughs) You saw it for the first time? Yeah. So that that was the first time I had seen the third one was Thursday. Welcome to the party. I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, I I don't I know I saw the second one in the theater. I don't have a like theater experience with that one. Like I don't remember I don't remember my theater experience, but I remember seeing the third one. I knew which theater I saw it at, so I know I saw both of these in the theater. But I'm like Chad is like I wasn't maybe not like Chad, but I wasn't as excited towards the end of the second one. I just felt like it had not lived up to my expectation. But when I saw that trailer for the third one, I was like, oh, I, which I wasn't a big Western fan, but I thought it was going to be interesting where, where it goes. But yeah, so I saw both of these in the theater as well. But once again, we talked about the last epi- the last episode. I don't, I haven't rewatched the sequels nearly as much as I've rewatched the original. So, um, last time you saw these before watching with the podcast, we'll skip Bethany because she just watched <laughs> them this week. Uh, Laramie, it was probably you know we talked about it's been probably about two years since. Uh, seeing the first one so it's probably about the same because this is one of those trilogies that honestly I don't think I can watch the first one without yeah. watching the other two even, <laughs> if, even if it comes a day or two later you right, know? right. but I, I think I have to watch the entire trilogy I, mm-hmm. I can't not 
watch. Uh, you just get so worried about Marty. Well, you know what? I, you know, uh, you know, probably uh, uh, not shared by a lot of people. I'm a fan of the second movie. Yeah, a lot <laughs> of people probably aren't. Not shared by many people yeah. at this I'm table. Not, right. I'm not saying it's better than the first one. That's no, not by what no I'm means. saying. Right. But I am a fan of the second movie. And, and it could just be because I was, you know, eight when the movie came out. <laughs> and so it has that connection with me. I mean, the, uh, you know, who didn't want a hoverboard. True. And, True. you know, I still want the Nikes. I yes. still want the jacket that, yeah. you know. Um, so now our child cars. does have a hoverboard. Well, it's different. <laughs> it's not, it it's doesn't work same. on water. It's not the same. <laughs> right, right. What about you, Chad? Once you got power. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I had to watch. I, I watched it in the marathon. So <laughs> it, it like if like the reason I watched it so much is like if TNT or TBS or somebody else mm-hmm. they would or USA or whatever would play. I'm going to sit down and watch the whole thing. Right. All three movies. So. It, it was probably, and my wife's not going to let me do that, so uh, it was probably the last time I saw it. So about a, about a year ago. Yeah. Welcome to married life. So, uh, Charlie, I guess rewatching it, not a big... No, so, well, I, I would actually say that this is one of my favorite trilogies because mm-hmm. it feels like it's one long, continuous story. Right, yeah. right. You can have, you have all these, you know, superhero movies now and all this other stuff, and they're, you know, one, two, and three. But this one actually feels like long, a one long continuous story, mm-hmm. and yeah. because of that, like Laramie and Chad were saying, when you watch it, it's kind of like, okay, let's watch this one story, and mm-hmm. it turns out to be a you know six hour story. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, watching it the most recently would have been this past week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's been a while. I hadn't watched through. I'd probably seen three more recently than two, but I hadn't watched them all back to back to back in a very long time so yeah it was fun to rewatch I appreciate the second one more than my first initial watching it uh, and I still love the third one but we'll get into that <laughs> and now these messages now playing on a cell phone near you a show for all the manly men out there where guys talk about their favorite movies and what they can teach us about being a man. Featuring the coolest guests. Murder somebody is not like killing an ant. The most gratifying laughs. It's Tombstone, what can I say? (laughs) (laughs) And a fresh take on movies like you've never heard before. This will be the thing that gets written on his proverbial tombstone. We aren't here to criticize the movies you love, but to praise them for how they apply to our lives as husbands, fathers, and really all men in general. So buckle up your seatbelts, because Manly Movies is here. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or your other favorite podcast catcher. And remember, man up. (sighs) What seems to be the problem, pal? There's just so much pain in the world, so many issues. I don't think I can bear it. Well, friendo, it sounds like you could use a dose of pop culture roulette. Pop culture roulette? What's that? Some sort of pop culture themed podcast or something? That's right, sonny boy. When hope seems far, dive into some PCR. But I already get my entertainment news from Variety. Huh, that's pretty good. If you're a chucklehead, PCR gives you news you need, condensed, unfiltered, and raw, from three nerds who know a little something about something. Wow, okay, sign me up. That's the spirit. Pop Culture Roulette. New episodes every Monday, available on all major podcast directories.
to the Future is the quintessential 80s movie. In fact, last year at work, uh, I did a March Madness poll with 1980s movies, and Back to the Future won uh, from all genres, horror, drama, comedy, sci-fi, action. Back to the Future was the last remaining conquering movie of the 1980s. I mean, it's a movie that has several different terms that are part of the, the, just part of our lexicon, part of our language now. I was listening to a stand-up comedian just a few days ago referencing something that they wanted to go back and change. And this comedian who is in their late 20s said, come on, I don't have a flux capacitor. So, you know, this comedian obviously wasn't even alive or close to being alive when this movie came out. But such far-reaching tentacles that it has all the way into 2022. Uh, The movie certainly has its its issues. The franchise, uh, I don't think, is great as a whole for the entire trilogy. Great memories from Back to the Future of seeing this movie in the movie theater in a little small town in West Virginia with my friends growing up in the mid-80s. And, of course, launching Michael J. Fox into superstardom, who was, I mean, he was already well-known from his family ties days, but just wonderful film, great memories of it, and glad that, that Tim is continuing his podcasting tradition with, with this film and this trilogy. Pull out your pants pockets. All kids of the future wear their pants inside out. All right, we will talk a little bit about story origin and pre-production for two and three, uh, because as we mentioned in the last episode, that originally there was originally the trilogy was not what was planned. Everything was self-contained in the original story. Of course, it was a big, huge box office success. So they, the studio said, "We, you've got to make us more money. So we need a sequel." Uh, he later agreed to do a sequel, but only if Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd returned. With Fox and Lloyd confirmed, Zemeckis met with screenwriting partner Bob Gale to create a story for the sequel. Zemeckis and Gale would later regret that they ended the first one with Jennifer in the car with Marty and Doc Brown because it required them to come up with a story that could fit her in rather than a whole new adventure. Let's just fridge Elizabeth Shue this whole movie. (laughs) They kind of do anyway. Uh, Gale wrote most of the first draft by himself as Zemeckis was busy making Who Framed Roger Rabbit. At first, the film was to take place in 1967, but Zemeckis later stated that the time paradoxes of it provided a good opportunity to go back to 1955 and see the first film's events in a different light. While most of the original cast agreed to return, a major stumbling block arose when negotiating Crispin Glover's fee for reprising the role of George McFly. When it became clear that he would not return, the role was rewritten so that George is dead when the action takes place in the alternative version of 1985. The greatest challenge was the creation of the futuristic vision of Marty's hometown in 2015. Production designer Rick Carter wanted to create a very detailed image with a different tone from the film Blade Runner, wishing to get past the smoke and chrome. Carter and his crew spent months plotting, planning, and preparing Hill Valley's transformation into a city of the future. Visual effects art director John Bell stated that he had no script to work with, only the indications that the setting would be 30 years in the future featuring quote-unquote, something called hoverboards. So they at least had that to go with. When writing the script for part two, Gale wanted to push the first film's ideas further for humorous effect. Zemecka said he was somewhat concerned about portraying the future because of the risk of making wildly inaccurate predictions, which they did anyway. (laughs) According to Gale, they tried to make the future a nice place where what's wrong is due to who lives in the future as opposed to the technology, in contrast to the pessimistic or really in future scene in most science fiction. 
to keep the production costs low and take advantage of an extended break Fox had from Family Ties, which was ending its run when the filming began, it was shot back-to-back -back with sequel Part 3, which is why we decided to do the trilogy, including Back to the Future Part 3, even though it was released in 1990, it was still filmed in the 80s. There you go. That's <laughs> It's my podcast, and do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Two years were needed to finish building the sets and writing the scripts before shooting began. During filming, the creation of the appearance of the aged characters was a well-guarded secret involving state-of-the-art makeup techniques. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Not so state-of-the-art now, is it? <laughs> nope. Uh, I need to write Elizabeth Shue an apology. Yeah. yeah. A handwritten apology note. <laughs> the film was considered one of the most groundbreaking projects for industrial light and magic. It was one of the effects house first forays into digital compositing, as well as the VistaGlide motion control camera system, which enabled them to shoot one of its most complex sequences, in which Fox played three separate characters, Marty Sr., Marty Jr., and Marlene. Good Lord. That haunts me. Her coming down that stair saying, Mom? Right, right. <laughs> Poor Michael J. Fox. Although <laughs> Poor <so> me! <laughs> Nightmares for days! Right, right. Uh, although such scenes were not new, the Vistaglide allowed for the first time a completely dynamic scene in which camera movement could finally be incorporated. The technique was also used in scenes where Fox, Thomas F. Wilson, Christopher Lloyd, and Elizabeth Shue's characters encounter and interact with their counterparts. It also includes a brief moment of computer-generated imagery for a holographic shark used to promote a fictional Jaws 19, which wound up unaltered from the first test done by ILM's digital department because effects supervisor Ken Ralston, quote-unquote, liked the fact that it was all messed up. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, so a lot of... They did a lot of technical stuff in this, which it's funny watching it, going back and watching it now, because the tricks are much easier to pick up now. Yeah. Yeah. Than it was back but then. But it was impressive. It was impressive, yeah. 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 Like, especially like one of the scenes, which I know we're jumping, we'll jump to part three, but the scene where the the Western Marty, Seamus, yeah, is mm -hmm. handing the baby to Marty. She walks she in has front to walk of the camera. Front, she, yeah. Yeah, she has to walk over the camera. But That's where they do the cut. Yeah. But it's smart. I mean, yeah, you need that. It was a clever edit. It was smart to do that. So, but then, but in the part two, there's a lot of that too, where you have old Biff handing the almanac to young Biff. Mm. You've got Marty in the background, so they use that a lot. Which, if you're going to spend the money to do it, you might as well do it in more than one shot. So, but it was kind of cool. Yeah. I will say those effects are really cool, and I mean, watching it on a much more advanced screen, right? Like what we have now, it's. It doesn't look quite as good as it used to, mm -hmm. but it still looks really well, good. Yeah, and with yeah. the technology we've seen in more yeah. recent movies, yeah. Oh, yeah, it, yeah. it makes it so that it's I obvious. Mean, but yeah, but is... I, rem I mean, again, I don't remember if I saw this movie in theaters or not, but mm -hmm. I remember that it, you were just amazed by the mm -hmm. special effects in this movie. I yeah. mean, Michael J. Fox was in a scene with himself twice, mm -hmm. like two yeah. of himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There were a plethora of Michael J. Foxes. I mean, if we didn't have this movie, we would never have mul Multiplicity, one of exactly. Michael Keaton's greatest acting achievements. <laughs> there, yeah, okay. I say in jest, but I still love Multiplicity. <laughs> Except when you watch it in Pan and Scan, it's horrible. This exactly. movie? No, no, oh, no Multiplicity. All, oh, all, all movies. movies. I'll no, say, no, I'll no, say no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this scans. is the one that I... I it's it's stuck in, in your head? head yes. Yeah, there was another one that I saw, like, we were... It, we're getting off topic, but some friends and I rented on an afternoon to watch, and it was a pan and scan, and it aggravated me so much that I, I, I just, 
I laid on the couch and went to sleep because I couldn't handle the the shifting it's terrible the fake movement. yeah the fake movement of the camera so. You know what we're talking about, Charlie? Nope. Okay. <laughs> you gotta go back and watch this TCM commercial from 20 years ago. It explains right. the whole thing. Right. All right. Okay. okay. Hand and skin. <laughs> Google it. Okay. It'll, it'll be a lot of fun. So, uh, so a little bit of casting for part two, as we've kind of talked about already. Crispin Glover was asked to reprise the role of George McFly. Good old Crispin Glover. Uh, he expressed interest but could not come to an agreement with the producers regarding his salary. He stated in a 1992 interview that the producer's highest offer was $125,000, less than half of what the other returning cast members were offered. Gale has since asserted that Glover's demands were excessive for an actor of his professional stature at the time. Ooh! (laughs) So, uh, rather than write George out of the films, Zemeckis used previously filmed footage of Glover from the first film, as well as new footage of actor Jeffrey Wiseman, who wore prosthetics, including a false chin, false nose, and cheekbones to resemble Glover. Thus, lawsuit. Yeah. Various techniques were used to muddle the Wiseman footage, such as placing him in the background rather than the foreground, having him wear sunglasses, and hanging him upside down, which is my favorite. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Glover filed a lawsuit, as Larry mentioned, against the producers of the film on the grounds that they neither owned his likeness nor had permission to use it. As a result of the suit, there are now clauses in the Screen Actors Guild collective bargaining agreements that stating that producers and actors are not allowed to use such methods to reproduce the likeness of other actors. Glover's legal action, while resolved outside of the courts, has been considered as a key case in personality rights for actors with increasing use of improved special effects and digital techniques in which actors may have agreed to appear in one part of a production, but if their likenesses be used in another without their agreement. I wonder how that goes into like movie movies now where they the actor dies like right. mid production and they continue the movie and I, I'm sure like the estate has something to say with it. Yes. Yeah. But I wonder this, if like this, at a certain point. Yeah, because this is more about them refusing, like they're they're declining being in another movie, yeah. and mm-hmm. then they're using it to put them in the movie, right? You know, when someone, you know, like Gladiator, I think, was one of the first movies to deal with an actor passing away during production. Mm-hmm. And so they did the the CGI face um, and kind of cut the role down, put him in shadow. Right. So that the it, it wasn't seen as obviously. But then once, you know, you go to a sequel, I mean, you think about uh, Harry Potter. I mean, yeah. you just go to a different actor. Yeah, you have to at yeah. that point. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean, I, I guess I get that. They were saying, no, Crispin Glover, we don't think you're worth paying to be in this movie. So mm-hmm. we're just going to spend money on somebody else to look like you. Yeah. yeah. But it's different to get someone who just looks like him versus what they were doing, which yeah. was having Making him wear him makeup look. to look like right. Crispin Glover. Well, they had that, and then he was also... He didn't want them to use any of the footage from the first movie, which they Um, couldn't do for the dance scenes because they were actually still using footage from the first movie in there, too, so... Now, see, that, though, I don't think... He doesn't own those yeah. scenes. Yeah. Like, I mean, he might... I know, yeah, I'm saying that was still part of his... He might like, get some sort of royalties from it, Mm -hmm. but... Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was interesting, and that's funny because, like, I don't remember any of that when I watched this, no, but I, I would have thought it was Crispin. Glover yeah, but when I, I was a kid. yeah, but I thought it was interesting how he wasn't as, he wasn't used as much. He like, was such a big character yeah, too, yeah. like just big personality wise mm-hmm. in the first movie, and it 
when he's in it in the second movie is so much more toned down mm-hmm. and it's because oh, yeah, he's yeah, not yeah. the same person. Right, right. Literally. But you also have, I mean, the writers too probably had to cut a lot of that stuff out and just kind of move other stuff around, which like I said, they had to kill him off, which was a big plot point in part two for Marty finding out his dad was dead. And which honestly, it felt like it worked. Like yeah. why else would Lorraine be with Biff, Biff. if yeah. he hadn't been killed? Mm-hmm. Claudia Wells, who had played Marty's girlfriend Jennifer Parker in the first film, planned to reprise her role but turned it down due to personal reasons. Her mother was diagnosed with cancer right oh. after the first film, and she decided she wanted to, you know, take care of her mom. Absolutely. The producers cast Elizabeth Shue instead, which involved reshooting the closing scenes of the first film for the beginning of part two. The reshot sequence is a near shot-for-shot shot match with the original. With only, done. Yeah, with only minor differences. For example, Doc noticeably hesitates before reassuring Marty that his future self is fine, something he did not do in the first film, and Marty is also wearing a watch in the second film, whereas he was not in the first, which I never I noticed. I would not have gone the watch, <laughs> yeah. but I, you, I just noticed that Michael J. Fox has added a few pounds between yeah, part he, one and two. Yeah, he definitely looks different, but... They, I mean, even Elizabeth Shue, like the way she steps yeah. into frame, yeah, yeah, is exactly the same way Claudia mm-hmm. Wells did yeah. at the end. And because I watched these almost back to yeah. back, oh, yeah, yeah, for this, yeah. and so I had just seen that closing scene and then mm-hmm. immediately go into the second movie. And yeah, it, it now some of it's got to be the exact same footage. Like, yeah, some of it yeah. is. Got, yeah. yeah, they just had to shoot him this. reaching into the garbage can. Yeah, the junk yeah, 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 yeah. Him yeah. crashing in as he's drive as he drives in. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, all that's the same, um, but and the subtle thing—the uh, way he pours the beer into the Mister Fusion—is <laughs> slightly different. I actually—it was crazy that I caught that, but there's just a slight difference in the way he pours the beer into the. And Mr. there's Fusion. a different car parked in the background. Oh, probably on the on the street. Probably I could I could see that for sure. So I I my theory is that when he went back into the past. It's a it, different it universe. Tra- it's a whole different universe. <laughs> different universe. So his girlfriend, while still named Jennifer, is a different person. It's just it took a little while to like make the changes. <laughs> yep. So you don't notice it until the second movie. Now, when when yeah no it's it's all from Doc. When Doc came back, mm-hmm. he entered a different timeline. It's a different universe. So, Let's see, that would yeah. make sense. You know, so you're starting to put some stuff together for me now there. I mean, it's starting to make sense because I'm like, you went all that trouble to make Crispin Glover look like Crispin Glover, but you didn't change Elizabeth Shue's face to look like yeah. Claudia Wells. You are Wells. not going to touch Elizabeth Shue. I don't want to touch. How I mean, dare you? <laughs> okay, okay. Let me not use the word I don't want to touch Elizabeth Shue because I could sound... Anyway. Moving um, on. Moving on. <laughs> Leave it to me to make it weird. Yeah. Um. Anyway. No, Elizabeth Shue's precious, and you can't, yeah. you can't, you don't but want I, to change anything. But I will about say, her. the hair, the hairdo looks better on Claudia Wells than it yeah. does on Elizabeth Shue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then bless her heart, like she basically spends the entire movie passed out. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This well, movie does her dirty. But to, to go back to her passing out, um, when they're in the future, uh-huh. whose I'm thought old. was the yeah, yeah the hands then, up. Arms crossed. <laughs> it was like a cartoon. And that, like, you said the word that I want to talk about because for me, part two, the future, why is everything like a cartoon? And I don't know I if know. it's because Zemeckis had just finished doing Roger Rabbit, <laughs> yeah. so that he's still in this world sense. of cartoons. 
Well, but I think also, like you said in the the production notes, yeah. is they're trying to really contrast what the future had looked like in, I mean, Blade Runner. Yeah, where it's yeah, just yeah, dark, it's dark and, gloomy. and gloomy. Yeah, Terminator, where yeah. it's just dark. You yeah, know, or it's always this dystopian future. Yeah, yeah. So instead, let's show a future that you know looks more like Star Trek. It's a little you know, ridiculous, yeah. more, but it's more realistic at the same time. Sure. Yeah. I mean, okay, it's granted. more bright and colorful than our real 2015. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I think, I want to say that they, maybe it didn't in my notes, but I think they were leaning, they were trying to lean more on the comedy for part two than they yeah. had mm-hmm. as much in the first one. And so, but just the future scenes, that the future aspect of the movie bothers me the most. And I think it's I because... I have trouble getting past that yeah. part. And I think, like I said, the... Like Marty Jr. is just—it's so outrageous. And even—is it Griff, not Biff? Yeah, it's Griff. Griff. Gosh, and his voice yeah, is their, grating. Their, their voices are are so un, you know yeah grating is a good word. Um, it that it's hard for me to get through that part. And I just wonder—I wondered—it was an interesting choice for me to say let's just go like let's go far cartoonish, and if that's why it just doesn't it doesn't fit as well for me. Another question I have is why. Doesn't Griff have the same actors playing his his, his crew? Gr- yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in 2015, there's a bit more diversity in that there's a woman there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's is still... it a blonde white woman? Yes, it is. <laughs> but it is a woman because they do the same thing in three. Mm-hmm. Mad Dog has three. D- doesn't have the same three. Right. No. right. And it just it's weird that he has a different crew in each era of time Mm -hmm. you know uh, 1955 he has a uh, that one crew and then yeah uh, 1885 he has a crew 2015 it's a completely different crew and i get it's because it's not the same character but you've done it with so many of the other every other part because of course mcfly's great 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 no just great 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 grandmother looks exactly like like his his own mother mother. his own mother which yeah. is its own stuff kind of creepy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which means his family has a type. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. That's that's exactly what the writer said. We're going to that's exactly the excuse they use like yeah. they just they're all drawn to a certain yeah. motherly, you know, uh they had a type. That's that's what yeah. it is. But it also probably implies that uh yeah, that it's somewhere down the road apparently uh George McFly and Lorraine McFly are cousins. Oh. Like, yeah. <laughs> just brought the whole podcast down, Larry. Thanks. Thanks for bringing I mean, thanks. up incest, Larry. And that'll be today's episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you guys next time. Just no offense for Alabama, Alabama listeners. <laughs> we love Alabama. Uh, it's West Virginia. I got to worry about no skin. <laughs> That's a joke to Ron. Ron's from West Virginia, so soggy bottom USA. Mm-hmm. So. Where do we go from here? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you really, again, you really <laughs> dug us in a hole here, Laramie. It's just still, I mean, it's just that same thing. It's, it's like, and again, I'm gonna use the comic book connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whenever they go back and tell like the origin of uh, Gotham, mm-hmm. it's all of these people that are connected to the current people yeah. of Gotham, mm-hmm. right? You know, and it's like, well, do do people never move? <laughs> right. Like, why right. is it the same families? Yeah. Uh, uh, my mind just went blank. It's like the family that runs the manure. Yes, yeah. yes, <laughs> yeah. The Stadler, yeah. It's the no Stadler's no, the Stadler's the, 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 the Toyota company. Yeah. Yeah. And right. the, and then they sell the horses. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, yeah, but it's in here in my notes. But yeah, the the family that runs the manure um, company, company, whatever. Yeah, it's the same family throughout the entire. Uh, I've never picked up on that. Yeah, yeah. it's the That's same really name cool. on the side of of the wagon, on the side of the yeah. truck. I don't think I put it in yeah. my notes because I had so many it's, other things on there. The same, but yeah, the same there's a lot of the there's time. a lot of there's a lot of continuity that you see yeah. that are like running gags or or you know little threads. And and then they missed one. They missed another one. You had uh, in um, 1955, you had Lou's Cafe. Right. Then they jumped to 2015, and you've got Lou's 80s Cafe. Mm-hmm. It's still called Lou's. Right. But then you go back to 1885. Why isn't Lou the name of the bartender in the saloon? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's like, true. The, the, they missed that connection, which I... So I, close. I, they yeah. were so close. Yeah. Lou was a new person. He moved. He moved, He yeah. moved. <laughs> yeah. And then I also wondered uh, when he... Uh, in 19 well and then in 19 is it 85 it's a like a fitness studio yeah, yeah. yeah it was but a gym. it's still called Lou's right yeah. so I'm like <laughs> Lou's yoga studio absolutely yeah. I would yeah. buy a but that's why they have the exercise there. bikes in the 80s cafe because oh that makes sense yeah. it was still it was still it used to be Lou's gym that, yeah. yeah which uh, I'm, I'm gonna jump straight to this go ahead um, how does being good at shooting in a video game <laughs> allow you to shoot an actual gun that right, well? Right. Because any, I mean, I I don't shoot guns. I can't tell you that from experience. But mm-hmm. I know, like, uh, you know, several musicians they can't play rock band. <laughs> you know, they can't play Guitar Hero. Right. Right. Uh, and the fact he's 17 years old. Like, mm-hmm. they tend to forget his age in these sequels. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they treat him way older. Way older, um, yeah. Than the fact that, again, you're because you're, you've got to think, these sequels are only occurring days after yeah. that first yeah. movie. Yeah. you got to think, he matured a lot when he tried to assault his mom that one time. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Charlie, you got anything to add here? <laughs> Not to that. <laughs> Hey everybody, Jeff Atkins here, and it's time for Back to the Future in two minutes. Here we go. Back to the Future for me. I I love part one. I love part three. I'm going to say no to part two. We'll leave that one alone. Um, But for me, you know, you got Huey Lewis, you got blue pickup trucks, you got guitars, you got rock and roll, you got time travel, you got Michael J. Fox. So I say yes, please, to all that. this is another one of those movies that really kind of marked me growing up. I just the blue pickup truck, for instance. I ended up buying a blue pickup truck later in life simply because of this movie. Um, I love part one. I love seeing, um, you know, just the opening scenes. It's really nostalgic for me seeing like the just the opening scene with the clock scenes where he, he plugs into the the big wall amplifier and blows it apart. Love that. Um, it reminds me a lot. The nostalgia reminds me a lot of my grandfather, who's now in his 90s, and I, I kind of roll my eyes when I see him watching his old John Wayne movies, and I wonder if that's going to be me in 40 years with kids rolling their eyes at me watching Back to the Future. Uh, Back to the Future 3, I'll skip to that. I love that one, too. It's for me, the music, too. I love um, the scene when ZZ Top plays in the band in the, uh, in the Jamboree. The guy flips over the drum, and they start playing, and that's awesome. I love that. Um, and I love the fact that Doc finally finds what he wants in the end. It's not in the it's on the future. It's not about time travel. It's about him finding um, the woman that he loves. So back to the future. I love it. Hope you guys enjoy it too. Welcome to the Cafe 80s, where it's always morning in America. 
even in the afternoon. The 80s cafe, which I was like, I would like to open an 80s cafe yeah. if I had the money. The would, Max Headroom style. Yeah. I, I really want to know if that was really Michael Jackson making a cameo as the Michael Jackson. It was not. Yeah, it was it not. I looked at IMDb. Not. It was a person who did. I'm sure. It wasn't Ron Reagan either. Well, no, no, no. No. Even though Ron Reagan was a big fan of the movie, which is why they they gave him, they put him, they specifically put him in part two or yeah, because he liked reference. the reference in the first movie. Yeah. Or you know, who's the president? Ron Reagan, the actor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he missed that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, but of course we have Elijah Wood making his little cameo yeah. as one of the kids, uh, you know. That's a baby. Story. Yeah. You have to use <laughs> your hands. hands. Yeah. Oh, he which, was, yeah, he said that line. Which we really still have, it's 2020, we still have to, 2022, we still have to use our hands. Yeah. Playing video games. Uh, we have to sanitize it first. Yeah. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> <Sorry>. Too soon. <laughs> then, you know, Roger Rabbit, we talked about already, I had noticed there's several Roger Rabbit references in the movie. Number one is in the antique yep. store, mm-hmm. there's a Roger Rabbit doll, which I don't think I noticed until like mm-hmm. watching it a couple months yeah. ago that I was like, oh, and, and I really thought that Roger Rabbit came after this movie. Like I didn't realize yeah. it came out before this one. Right. It was like a year, or isn't, it came out the same year as part two, um, or it came out the same year, but earlier in the year, I think. Yes, because yeah. it came out in the summer and this uh, Back to the Future part two came out at Thanksgiving, which Thanksgiving is why Christmas, yeah. it seems like a Thanksgiving thing for you. And there's also a copy of Jaws. Yeah, uh, there too. It, Jaws yeah. one and two is there. I thought it was a Nintendo game, isn't it? One's a, a game, uh, one's a game, one's a movie. Yeah, but also, and we talked about this, Charles Fleischer, who you yes. mentioned, he's in he's, several in several yeah. scenes, but he's the voice of Roger Rabbit. So of course, that was another connection yeah. with that. So he's in several scenes. Yeah, he's the manure. Oh, uh, not. Oh uh, yeah, he's a guy who fixes Biff's car in 1955. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, because we were As watching it like yesterday, style, and yeah. he's got all this okay. face yeah. makeup on. And I said, yeah. "There's got to be he's he's the that's me- got to be a cameo." He's the mechanic in '55. Okay. When they go back to '55, he's, he's the mechanic, but he's also the old man in the makeup. No, I caught about that the he was the old man talking yeah. about the Cubs, uh, which is also funny. Yeah, yeah. The fact because they're they're in 1989, they're making a joke to the fact that Cubs has not have not won the World Series. Mm-hmm. They're clearly making that reference, and then now here we are. And the Cubs won the World Series in sixteen. Yeah, twenty sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so so yeah, because I remember when they won, there was the the callback to mm-hmm. Back, Back to, to the, the Future. future. Yeah. It was the, how they were slightly off on that prediction. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when he shows up there and he's in the makeup, and I'm just going, why, why put the makeup? But I guess now that if he's the mechanic, in yeah, he's the, he's like regular. It's like yeah, so yeah, it makes sense now. But yeah. And then to your going back to the Jaws nineteen reference, which was pretty funny. Still waiting on those fifteen movies. Exactly. Yeah. If you yeah. notice, the director of that movie was Max yeah. Spielberg, Max Spielberg yeah. which is Steven Spielberg's real Aww. son's name, yeah. who, unlike Ivan Reitman, has not decided to go into filmmaking like his father. <laughs> but not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Can you imagine the pressure, though? Yeah. Like your dad is Steven Spielberg. <laughs> True. And I'm gonna make a movie like my dad. Okay. 19 movies later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he is directing Jaws 19. So let's... Right. <laughs> which I'm sure was not the height of that franchise. Um, it seemed... I bet it was still better than Jaws the Revenge. <laughs> it's gotta be. Yeah. It's gotta be. I saw... Uh, but so was I, it in 3D? That's what I want to know. No, but Jaws 3D was. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a video that somebody put together of what the Jaws movies would have been. Oh like, wow! Like one, one was actually like a, I think a Family Guy reference, you know, yeah. bigger jaws or something, or, uh-huh. 
Hey, I'm Jaws. We gotta go fight the other Jaws. Right. <laughs> but like I love all the. Yeah, I love the tagline. This time it's really, really personal. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, and then uh, the, my my biggest issue with part two, which kind of leans into part three, is why all of a sudden is being called chicken. <laughs> Dumbest thing I've ever heard. Marty's trigger all of a sudden, like that was yeah. not. You you would think they would they would have pulled something from the first movie that would have. Had he mentioned it, it had been, you know, somehow hinted at some throwaway line, they could have tied I, it in together. I do love that they kind of, they made it a bit more serious in the third movie. Yes. In the second yes. movie, it goes yellow. into that. They called him yeah. yellow. Yeah. Call- <laughs> it's not great. Yeah. Right. Um, but, I mean, in the second movie, it's so cartoonish. Yeah. In the, you called me chicken. Right. Well, they. Nobody. Yeah. Okay, they tried to down. fix it with it's, the story about him racing needles and the yeah. car accident at the end which they yeah. which they nicely tie up at the end yeah. at the very end of part three but by the time that happened in part three i had totally forgot that story was even told in yeah. part two like it's it, not important it's not important yeah. um but it's still why if you had the accident being called you'd be called chicken you had accent so then why is that still a trigger word wouldn't that have told you yeah this is this shouldn't be a trigger yeah. word for you it's time to get some therapy yeah. Marty. Well, and that, that's the that is the <laughs> for pro- a lot of reasons as much as we talked about how all of this is intertwined mm-hmm. that the problem with two is that they undo a lot of it in three yeah mm-hmm. to where the events in two almost don't do matter. Don't, don't matter yeah, yeah. do not matter yeah. at all yeah um, especially the last line that Doc says where he's yeah. telling them, you know, you make your own future. Mm-hmm. You know, the future's not set. And then I'm yeah. like, so then why did you come and take them to the future in the first place? Mm-hmm. He's learned a lot by that point. Mary Steenburgen has taught him a lot about <laughs> life and love and yeah. children and astrology. One of my, one of my your idiot son yeah. from agreeing to work with Griff. One of my big time travel issues that I noticed on this one is, or the watching it this time, is Doc is successful in getting... Marty back to the future at the end of the first one. How does that affect every decision he makes in his inventions going forward? Yeah. Because right. if, because if we go if we were alternate universe as Larry said, but if we go back to the beginning of part one, the clocks and the the the, the experiments and the uh, inventions he's working on were probably a lot better because as we can see, mm-hmm. he goes back to 1855 and he can make ice with you know, way before ice was invented. Yeah. So. And I love that it's brown ice. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. We like some yeah. water. Sure. And then, oh. yeah. And spin out the buckshot but, but from the But then they keep the, conti- the continuity going when yeah. he makes the ice. It's brown ice. Yeah, exactly. Iced tea. But uh, he also invented the, the thing that made the train speed. I know this is three. But yeah, yeah. You know, he also invented that in the yeah. 1800s. Yeah. And then put the, the whole train together. I say, he builds, yeah, he builds a time machine out of a train yeah. and, Based off of the age of his kids, you're talking what ten years? Mm-hmm. It took him ten years. Yeah, in 1855. He's a smart dude. Yeah, <laughs> before the turn of the century, and he's made a flying train. Yeah, wow. I like to well, think it was a that train to the, begin with, and they yeah, and the then future. he went to the future, and then he made yeah. it flying, and yeah. then he went yeah. back because he, you, you, you remember? Yeah, but still, he, he made a time machine train. My brain is melting again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, hold on, let me push it back in my ear. Hold on. All right, so uh, let's talk about scenes from. We'll, we'll, well, all right, let me do a little bit of. Uh, we're already in part three, so let me do a little bit about 
Part 3's origin. So the origin of the Western theme for Back to the Future Part 3 came from the production of the original film. During filming for the original, Zemeckis asked Michael J. Fox what time period he would like to see. Fox replied he wanted to visit the Old West and meet cowboys. Zemeckis and writer-producer Bob Gale were intrigued by the idea, but held it off until Part 3. So that's it. In theory, that's how the whole going to the West came just from that side conversation. Uh, And then for casting for part three, the role of Clara Clayton was written with Mary Steenburgen in mind. When she received the script, however, she was reluctant to commit to the film until her kids, who loved part one, hounded her, quote-unquote. Christopher Lloyd actually shared his first on-screen kiss with Steenburgen in part three. Uh, The Hill Valley Festival dance proved to be the most dangerous for Lloyd and Steenburgen, Steenburgen, uh, overzealous dancing left her with a torn ligament in her foot. Ooh. Mm. So, Chad mentioned it already, but we have three veteran Western film actors who, uh, of course, cameo in part three. Pat Buttram, Harry Carey Jr., and Dub Taylor are the old, the saloon old-timers. Uh, Dub Taylor was most known for playing a sidekick character named Cannonball, and here appears wearing his famed bowler hat, and that's the guy in the... Yeah, Soggy Bottom. Soggy right? Bottom, USA. That's how I remember when you said that. That's how I remember what movie it was. Uh, Harry Carey Jr. appeared in several John Ford films, as well as two episodes of Rawhide with Clint Eastwood. And Pat Butram, he uh, the distinctive crackly uh, voice, love Pat Butram's voice, was also known yeah. for several Disney films. He's the mm-hmm. Sheriff of Nottingham, Nottingham. Yeah. Uh, and he the was the bullet in uh, uh, Who Framed Roger, Roger Rabbit. Rabbit, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and then he's uh, Chief in Chief Fox, Fox and, and the Hound. Hound. There you go. Oh, yep. Oh, and, was he uh, Green Acres? Was he the guy in Green Acres? Yes. He was yes. in Green Acres. He was yes. Mr. Handy? Haney? Was it Haney? Haney. Haney. Yeah, yeah. Haney, yeah. Haney. yeah. yeah. Okay. Right, right. Yeah, because that was the voice that Carrie, uh, uh, Carrie did in Red Velvet. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because I <laughs> yes, made that comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one knows what we're talking yeah, yeah. about. <laughs> the three of us right there. You'll be back in the phone in a minute here. Yeah. Right here. All right. Uh, so the musicians of the Old West style band from the film were played by ZZ Top. They provided the song Double Back for the third film soundtrack, and just like Huey Lewis, and the first film were rewarded with a cameo. Hey Tim, this is Jerry D from Totally Rad Christmas, and I just wanted to share with you my favorite Back to the Future moment. So I recall going to see Back to the Future 2 and 3, but uh, especially 3, in the theaters, and I remember when uh, at the very end when Doc Brown shows up with his family on the train it was one of the coolest things I'd ever seen and so I remember going home and actually building that train out of Legos and I made it so that the wheels actually would fold up underneath Uh, it was one of the proudest things uh, at the time I had ever done and I remember showing my parents and all my friends whenever they'd come to play and it was just so cool because I, I used, you know, the same colors that they used. And I tried to make it as close as I could um, from what I remembered, of course, uh, seeing it in theater. And it was just a, a great experience. Of course, Back to the Future has always been one of my all-time favorite movies and franchises. It uh, It's just, it's phenomenal, everything about it, um, from the DeLorean you know, to the hoverboard was just uh, just fantastic and blew my mind as a little kid. And so it, it actually kind of made me want to be a physicist, which is why I got my degree in physics. In, uh, physics. So, um, yeah, I think my favorite memory would be making the train out of Legos. And I think it was one of the coolest things ever. 
And uh, I just want to say, you know, congratulations on two years. It, it's been... Um, it's been wonderful to be a part of your show, and I loved uh, listening to all your episodes. So thanks for having me on, and again, congratulations, man. Hey, Doc! Where are you going now? Back to the future? Nope. Already in there. And now, these messages. What's up, dudes? I'm Jerry D. of Totally Rad Christmas, the podcast that talks all things Christmas in the 80s. Toys, movies, specials, music, books, fashion, and fads. If it was gnarly during Christmas in the 80s, he's got it covered. Wait, is there a lot of things to talk about for the 80s and Christmas? Well, you got the movie giants like Christmas Vacation, Scrooge, and A Christmas Story. There are TV specials like Muppet Family Christmas, Claymation Christmas Celebration, and a Garfield Christmas Special. Plus classics shown every year. You also jam out to Last Christmas, Do They Know It's Christmas, and Christmas in Hollis. But most of all, it was a time for the most bodacious, best-selling Christmas toys ever, like He-Man, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Cabbage Patch Kids. Yes, them too. We cover them all, plus much more, including standard segments like Hap Hap Happiest Memory, Gagging with the Spoon, The Other Half of the Battle, and Chant with the Littles. So tune in to Totally Rad Christmas everywhere you get your podcasts. Turn the clock back and dive into those warm and fuzzy memories. Later, dudes. Comic books have been around for almost a century, and in the last two decades, we've finally gotten to see many of these characters brought to life in movies and on TV. On the Moving Panels podcast, we discuss movies and TV shows based on, inspired by, and adapted from the world of comic books. Join me and my guests as we discuss both the good and the bad from Marvel, DC, and even some of the lesser-known comic book companies. Learn what is and isn't from the comics, as well as our nerdy review of the movie or show. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. So join us for Moving Panels, and I'll see you on the other side of the page. Favorite scenes, iconic scenes, two and three, what you got? One from each, or just all together? You can do one from each, or all together, doesn't matter. Uh, hoverboard scene yeah. in part two. Yeah. It's got to okay. be the hoverboard scene. But it's just yeah. the scene from the first movie. Right. But, Which I love, but it's better. But, I, but I love the line from Biff. is like, I feel like I've seen this before. I'm like, yeah, yeah that was That's fun. the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> Something very familiar about all that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, and the, uh, the hoverboard made by Mattel. Of yeah. course, yeah. <laughs> the big Mattel logo. Right lots in, lots right of product it. placement in this yeah. one, these two. Um, oh, speaking of product placement, uh, I want to get a hold of one of those Pepsi cups. Yes, the Pepsi Which bottle. Which they made. They did make, yeah. They made them. Yeah. I want to get a hold of one of those Pepsi yeah. cups. When that thing, even even watching the day when it popped up, I was like, that is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, really <laughs> what? I'll never drink the Pepsi out of it, but I want one of those, yeah. Now, I will say, I was watching it the other day, and the girls were in the room, and when she puts the tiny pizza inside yes. the hydrator, yes. something about that, it's just so satisfying seeing it go from little to big. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. So... <laughs> Here's another thing I have, though, with that scene. When Lorraine arrives, she holds up. She goes, I brought dinner. Mm-hmm. And uh, girl. Marlene. Yeah, girl, Marty, <laughs> says, yeah. says, oh, we're not going to eat all that. Who can then eat all that? Then they make the pizza, <laughs> and they take, like, half of it just by each of them taking one slice. So Nobody hydrates like, a pizza get... like Lorraine. Yeah. But half pepper, half pepperoni, half uh, peppers. Peppers. Pepper, mm-hmm. Pepper, yeah. mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I don't um, like the green pepper half. What the pepperoni half? Uh, the McFly special. <laughs> <laughs> I got to pick one from the third movie. Uh, third movie, I don't know. I mean, the 
the just the train scene at the end. Like, yeah, that's yeah. one of the that, most epic it moments is of this entire yeah. trilogy. Yeah. Y'all, I have anxiety, and that whole scene <laughs> stressed me out because I had not seen it before, and yeah. I was like, "This is the end." Yeah, they could kill Doc. Like mm-hmm. they've already established, he dies. Mm-hmm. He could die. And I was that very. could have his name on it after all. <laughs> Which again, let's talk about the whole timeline thing. So, <laughs> back to the whiteboard. Here he goes. So once they, once uh, Marty survives, once Doc survives, they break the tombstone. Shouldn't the picture disappear? Because why would they have taken the picture in the first place <laughs> if there is no tombstone? Now he's writing on the yeah. walls. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah, because now the picture is just of grass. It's just of ground. <laughs> it's just a picture of the ground. And I'm like, why would you? Why did they even take the picture? So why would the picture still exist? This is true. Or should it be like Doc going like peace sign or <laughs> yeah. something instead? I really loved Mary Steenburgen in the third one. Mm-hmm. She's adorable. You didn't like I- her in the second one. <laughs> I, I don't like you right now. <laughs> and we'll be right back after these messages. <laughs> yeah, she's just really precious, and she's like one of the few female characters in the whole series mm-hmm. that has any sort of agency. Like, she makes her decisions. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's different is they do have to save her from dying, because if they weren't there, she would have died. Right. And. She's just adorable, and I, I like that but, actress. But, to begin which, with. again, calling back to the the Twin Pines and the Lone Pines, right. they do the same thing the ravine. for the ravine. ravine. It's yeah. originally named after her. Mm-hmm. But here's my question, because, and maybe I'm, yeah, I could be totally wrong. You guys can correct me. This, you know, it's all fun, all part of the fun. But Doc was supposed to meet her and fall in love with her, which is why he was devoted to his dear Clara. But him and Marty decided not to pick her up, and they go to the ravine anyway. So she was by herself to then go over the ravine. Yeah. She still would have been by herself, even without Doc being there. Yeah, right. but then how would he have ever met her if he was supposed to pick her up that day anyway? Well, I guess he picked her up. Yeah, because you got But if he re- picked her up, there would have been no ravine named well, no, after no, no, her, no, because no, she wouldn't no, have gone no. over. He wouldn't have gone was, back to the past her. originally. She, she would have died on that ravine... Had Doc she never gone into the past. originally died in that ravine, period. Okay. She originally died in that ravine, okay. which is why it was named after her. When Doc goes back, okay, yes, he's supposed to uh, interact with her, mm-hmm. but uh, just him going back doesn't stop her from dying in that ravine until he is in 1885. So okay. it, as far as his mind goes, right. it's still called that. Right, okay, because gotcha. it did originally happen. Okay, he didn't know the story. And remember, Marty, yeah. that, Marty that lives this very tragic life where he has no memories of the life he is currently living. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then at the end, when the 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 train uh, comes the, through, well, when the uh, DeLorean originally comes, he yeah. drives by the sign and yeah. it says Eastwood, Eastwood yeah. Ravine, because yeah. you have to assume they think <gasps> that he died when he drove off the. Oh, I didn't yeah. even put that together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I read something about it. They were like, but do we really think that this person that was there for like two days would leave Everybody that Everybody seems yes. to think that Marty would have been remembered. No. And I will say yes to that because we're talking about 1885. We're talking about small town Hill Valley mm-hmm. in which once he stood up to Mad Dog, you have that scene of everybody 
acknowledging And they did him. name the ravine originally after a woman who died there that they had, had never met. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, so so in essence then, the real Clint Eastwood took his name from the famous Eastwood that went over the Eastwood oh, ravine. I hope so. <laughs> it all makes sense I now. hope so. Yeah. The, the actor was like, oh, I want to be named after that guy. Right. He's what so cool, cool guy. who based his whole life after me before I was... <laughs> yeah. yeah, go back to what you were saying. It's funny that they named the ravine in the first place after a teacher who had been there for not very long mm-hmm. and who, for all they know, just you know lost control of her cart and went off. And so, like, yeah, let's let's honor her by naming this ravine after her. <laughs> Nobody knew her. Right. Well, it could have just been like, which ravine are you talking about? The one where that teacher died. Right. Yeah. What was her name? Oh yeah, I think it was Clara. Clara, yeah. Clara, you know, Clara's Clara, Ravine. Was, what was her last name? Clayton. That's what they named Clayton. Clayton, yeah. Clayton. 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 Yeah. you know, Miss Clayton, yeah. her Ravine, the one she died in. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So. <laughs> my brain hurts again. All right, let's go. We'll talk a little bit of trivia, and we can talk about a few more scenes as we start to wrap this one up, too. Uh, so going back to part two, uh, I thought this was interesting. What's happening to old Biff when he gets out of the DeLorean? having taken a trip back to 1955 to give the almanac to his younger self. And why is he grimacing in pain? If it's not clear, perhaps it's because the rest of the scene, which would have been explained, it was cut short. But basically, by creating a new timeline post-1955, he's ensured that he no longer exists, and so upon his return, he fades away completely. As the first film had already taught us, however, it takes a short while for the timelines to straighten themselves out in such an instance, so there's enough time for Biff to return to 2015 before he then dies or disappears. I I had heard that it was because, and I don't know how true this is, but they said that he was shot, Lorraine shot him in 1993, and that's why he fades away because he's dead. He's dead. She kills him because... She had enough. Lorraine got her revenge, finally. Yeah. Finally, yeah, Lorraine. Yeah. Get justice. it, Lorraine. Get it. Hashtag justice for Lorraine. So, good. That's good. I didn't know that part. That's, yeah. yeah, so. I have, because, and then why is his cane broken? Yeah, that he, didn't, that doesn't he, really he, get yeah, referenced. He, stumbled, like, he gets it caught of, and yeah, he's trying, he's trying to get, get out. out. Mm. All right, so then we go to part three. Uh, these were kind of cool. Uh, the drive-in theater. There are clever references in the movies advertised. Two posters seen as Marty emerges in his Western outfit are both 1955 releases. More notably, however, they're both films that feature Clint Eastwood in uncredited roles. <laughs> Marty actually even points at the Revenge poster when noting that the doc hasn't heard of Clint yet. There are also three films being advertised on the drive-in's marquee. Francis in the Navy, Mom, Pa, Kettle, and Waikiki. Want to see that one somehow. And Abbott and Costello Meet the Mummy. All three, like Back to the Future Part 3, are sequels made by Universal. And Francis also happens to be Clint Eastwood's credited film debut. Aww. There you go. Way too smart for their own good. <laughs> That's one of my favorite parts. If, if I keep driving, I'm going to hit those Indians right yeah. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, they won't be there. Yeah, that's that's just almost too coincidental. Right, <laughs> right. Too on the note. And then the fact that he just drives randomly and ends up at the cave. Yeah. That Doc yeah. Mentioned and there's was a there. bear in there in the middle yeah. of the desert. Yeah, a bear in the middle, middle of the desert. That's a couple the, of a couple of uh, you know, yeah, perfectly I, perfectly timed coincidences. I course. really want to know what part of California that is. Oh, that, where the that looks like Arizona. Yeah, that the looks like New Mexico. Right. I really right. <laughs> 
Um, so I'm going to put this last little fact in. We'll have, there'll be more uh, stuff we didn't cover in the show notes. Definitely go check those out. Uh, one of the most obscure references of all, the barbed wire salesman who counsels the doc on his broken heart isn't just a random character. Although not named as such, he bears a clear visual resemblance to Joseph Glidden, the businessman who really did patent barbed wire in the 1870s and became one of the richest men in America as a result. Oh, didn't know that. But yeah, that does feel like a really... Like, there's a point in them putting that in there, mm-hmm. but I couldn't figure out what it was. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, the guy on the train? The guy, yeah, the guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he gets on the train, yeah. and Claire overhears. Overhears him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I, but it's the it's when he's talking to uh, Doc. Doc, and he just holds up the barbed wire. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, me trying to sell this barbed wire. Yeah. You know, why is he, this, this seems purposeful, but yeah. I can't, why? I don't understand the purpose. Yeah. So running gags were obviously a big in these movies. Two that, or one that just, I just, it makes me cringe. We get to the third one is Marty waking up thinking it's all a dream. Yeah. It's always his mother yeah. there. You know, so, you're safe here in 1855. So yeah. yeah. Again, his first thought. Yeah. Mom, you're so hot. I mean, thin. Wow. All of it's problematic, Marty. Stop <laughs> it. Yeah, you're so right. big. Yeah. Was the second one. Yeah, that wow. was that was the part of the future, Lorraine, I didn't want to talk about. Your uh, boobs are huge, Mom. <laughs> and why was that such an important part of the story? don't know because he's Biff is just so Biff, superficial, right, superficial. Yeah. I mean that's what she says she yeah. says, you made me get these right. and, you know if you want them you can have them <laughs> gross um, yeah <laughs> I will say this I will Sorry. say this uh, and this is another reason why I really think I saw the second one in the theaters it I mean now not so much but I remember when I was a kid the you know when his goonies come up to Marty at the outside of the casino yeah and they go, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. And then they just knock him upside the head, and then you just hear, the easy way. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It just used to make me laugh yeah. so hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, wasn't his, his three guys, wasn't that Billy Zane? It was. Yeah. yeah. It was. That's Casey. what I'm saying. Yeah. The, it's always those guys. Uh, well, that was 1985. That was it. Yeah, so it's the same ones in 80. No, they were the ones in 55. They were the ones yeah. in 55. Yeah. So, right. yeah, then they're yeah. here in 85. Yeah. So they do at least... See, it's, it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> it doesn't have any continuity. He doesn't have any in '85 because yeah. he's he's either the businessman, right? You don't yeah, see you don't anybody. see you don't see him interacting with anybody. Yeah, or he's yeah. the car wash guy. Yeah, this is the only. So I guess they just gave, that way it gives Billy Zane and uh, Casey Samasco. Casey like, Sam- yeah, gives them something else. Gives to do them a the paycheck. Movie. Just, yeah. but uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, and then there's uh, Marty. <laughs> breaking into the girl's room, um, yeah, gosh. and why why it had to go directly into her bed, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, couldn't it have just been he comes in and then she wakes up and sees him? Um, yeah, the whole second movie is very cringy. Mm-hmm. I am not a fan of the second movie yeah. at all. Like I said, the second movie's fun. I like the second movie for certain things. It's fun. It's fun to <laughs> well, and it's fun to watch it in you know twenty twenty two. When you're going, okay, they still thought fax machines would be a thing. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, they. The, and of course, back, especially back in the 80s, everybody thought the future of TVs was not one big TV, but multiple, multiple TVs TV. yes. put yeah. together that would yeah. either play multiple things or all one big picture. Yes, yeah. because that's what we want is six things at one time. Right. Not 
17 hours of the same thing yeah, because we're we all right. have anxiety and we want to watch the yeah. same thing we can't television technology can't make screens bigger we just have to make small yeah screens it also built doesn't together. doesn't help with the the quality of the picture no either. no because no. i love the screen that's supposed to be the window yes yeah, 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 yeah lorraine's broken. talking about it yeah. being being broken yeah. and all and it's just a projection mm-hmm. uh, well he called him chicken <laughs> <laughs> yeah but the you know the thumbprint the thumbprint to get in. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. the, she does turn the lights on with her voice. She which does. We yeah. Do. yeah. Hey, we got. We something. have that. That's right. real. You didn't have to say Alexa before you did it. So. Yeah. She just says lights on, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. So I, I mean, I like some of that, but it is funny to kind of watch. Uh, this is what we thought the future. You know, the flying cars. Mm-hmm. I still um, want a flying car. Hey, Elon Musk, I'm sure, is working on it. <laughs> no, uh, he's busy buying all the things. can't drive normal cars. Right, you can't drive on Well, they clearly can't. I mean, he goes right into head-on traffic mm-hmm. in the in this one. But at which I'm so confused about, too, how that works. With You can you can drive on the road, but you can also drive in the air. Like, like is, are there places where you have to take yeah, off? Yeah, well, in the, in the very back of the square, they have a little, it looks like a ramp. And you can see as Marty's walking around, looking around, you can see cars come up that ramp, and then as soon as they do, they take off. Oh, okay. And then there's one car, the one that he actually looks at, that's got the massive spoiler. You can see it in the back of the frame come in and land like an airplane, and then it drives by. Oh, um, okay. So. So yeah, so they have on, on and off ramps. For, there you go. Yep. For flying. My ears are bleeding. <laughs> but, yet, but, but yet Doc ignores those completely. Oh because yeah. He oh, just yeah. takes off right from mm-hmm. that alley. Yeah. And flies. Up. Well, so do the cops. Now that mm-hmm. I think about it too. I will say, I think one of the lines that I loved in the second one is when they're trying to get the almanac from Biff, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Let's just land on top of him. We'll destroy his car." And he's like, "No." We're we're driving basically tinfoil. Mm. This car will destroy yeah, our yeah. car. Yeah. As it, as it yeah. showed in the when the train hits it. Yes. Oh, that oh, broke gosh. my heart. Yeah. Yeah. I did not see that coming. Oh, yeah. that, Thursday, that I'm sitting there in my yeah. house. And I, I think I might have teared up in the theater when that happened, I honestly. I, that DeLorean just exploded. I just, yeah. I just very loudly go, oh, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but speaking of the Almanac, it is 2022. Why has someone not written that almanac? <laughs> because and made nobody, it a real thing. the right. internet exists. Nobody needs an <laughs> almanac. Yeah. Still, why is there not that almanac in existence? Because you really, can Google it. I still, I still want to know. <laughs> I still want it. Well, why don't you make it, Laramie? Still want it. All right. Well, let's. We got to start wrapping things up. Uh, so let's talk about box office. Uh, unless you guys have another scene, any other scenes we want to, we haven't covered yet. We want to cover. No, I liked the third movie, though. Yeah. When uh, Mad Dog makes him dance and he starts moonwalking. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that was pretty funny. Classic 80s scene where when you dance, you got to do a Michael Jackson move. Yeah. Uh, Who's in best defense? What's writing on them them, them skins? Nike. What's that mean? Uh, Engine talk? Yeah. 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 No no offense to our native brand. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was the 80s. There was problems. The The 80s were just problematic. Problematic 80s. Uh, our our new podcast coming uh, fall of 2022. Just kidding. Um, that was a joke, people. That was a joke. Uh, so, box office. Back to the Future Part 2 was released in theaters North America on Wednesday, November 22nd, 1989, the day before Thanksgiving. It grossed a total of $27 million over Friday to Sunday and $43 million across the five-day holiday opening, breaking the previous Thanksgiving record set by Rocky Four in 85. On the following weekend... I will in, break you. Yeah. 
In the following weekend, it had a drop of 56%, earning $12 million, but remained at number one. Its total gross was $118.5 million in U.S. and $213 million overseas for a total of $332 million worldwide, ranking as 1989's sixth most successful film domestically and third most worldwide behind Indiana Jones and Last Crusade and Batman. I am Batman. Uh, right, there you go. Part 3 was released on May 25, 1990. The film grossed $23 million in its first weekend and $87.6 million altogether in U.S. It had a $246 million worldwide. So 3 did worse than 2 in the box office. Makes sense. Even it, though I think it's so a better... Bad. I thought, it was, I thought 3, three was a, a better, much movie, better, movie. better movie. Let's talk about critical reception. So Part 2, Rotten Tomatoes gave it 64% Boo. with an 85% audience score. IMDb mm. was 7.8 out of 10 with a 57 Dude. on Metacritic. Wow. I'd give it the 7.8. No, I feel like that's 80s. pretty accurate. No. 88. No. 88. 70, 78. <laughs> they can't all be 88. <laughs> 78% is pretty yeah. good. Okay. So part three had an 80% on the tomato meter, so much better for the critics, but it dropped to 78% for the audience score. So it was... And the critics liked the second one. I mean, the critics liked the third one better than the second one, but the audiences didn't. And then IMDb, 7.4 out of 10 with a 55 on Metacritic. So oh, it only wow. went roughly down to... The same. They're roughly the yeah. same uh, on IMDb. But but yeah, I am I am of the... I would rank them in favorite 1, 3, then 2. Same. Laramie? I, I go 1, 2, 3. Nah. Chad? Oh, 1, 3, 2. No, 1, 3, 2. Oh, Laramie's left out. I don't out. care. <laughs> Just 1, 2, 3. Marty McFly, as a as his own daughter, will haunt me for the rest of my life. <laughs> but Marty McFly dreams. being married to his own mother in the 1885 is okay. It's not Marty and McFly. And being a ginger. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well... It's been fun. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this first ever panel. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we could, I'm sure we could talk for another two hours, but we've got kids that are getting very rambunctious. <laughs> if you <laughs> haven't the, heard the piano the, in, playing yeah, the and the room. screaming. Yeah, so, but thanks for being, uh, for being here. Thanks for being part of the podcast. Thanks, everybody, for joining. And uh, I'm Tim Williams for the 80s Quick Fastback. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. If you'd like to continue the conversation, we have a few ways for you to do just that. One way is to send us an email to movieviewspodcast at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voice message through the Anchor app. You can find the link to leave a voice message in our episode show notes. Hey, and while you're there, be sure to check out the episode show notes to find more fun facts and behind-the-scenes trivia we just weren't able to fit into today's episode. Well, that's all for now. Join us again next time for another 80s Flick Flashback. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.